You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets at Walker Mail and at Not of the Scribe. Also, big shout out to RockAuto.com. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So I had to try to catch up with some Mitch Kupchak audio. I was down at Wofford doing the Panther training camp thing. I don't think I'm going to have to go back down there. I was revealed to to have what was <laughs> uh, a very disinterested look in you what had Matt Rule was saying. Yeah, you had yeah you had RBF. I saw that yeah, picture. I was going to say I totally something. have that, except I call it RDF just because I'm going to refrain from using that word. But we can we can try yes. to put the D. You know, we know where to put it. Um, yeah. No pun intended there and so rdf is totally what i have and i don't even mean to but i'm crossing my hands right crossing my arms it's hot as hell out there in spartanburg matt roll spoke for like two and a half minutes then we had uh david moore the wide receiver Mm -hmm. he comes in and he speaks for two and a half minutes so all i'm doing is sitting there for five minutes collecting audio and then we got to wait for safety sean chandler we have to wait for him a long time because he went inside like a smart person to wait in the air conditioning and then he comes back out on the golf cart having already showered and everything while i'm sitting there looking like i just participated in training camp and so i look at you know us radio peeps, man, uh-huh. we get we get the everybody's listening rule in the world, but we don't get the everybody is watching you rule in the world. And I, I, I forgot to remember the latter. Yeah, 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 you did. I, like, I was going to say something. I was I was like I was tempted. And then, you know what? I realized I made fun of you enough publicly for the whole Malik Monk thing. So, you know what? I was going to leave you alone. I was going to let Bobby take care of that. I was going to let I was going to let Yarbs take care of that. Even if Molly got in, I was going to let them take care of that. I was just going to let you have your your bad moment, because, again, I don't know how I would have looked out there if it's 90 plus. So, you know what? I'm going to give you a pass on this one. I understand. I appreciate it. Jim Zoki tweeting out a comment from Matt Rule, and then uh, I was in. I was one of the casualties in the background of that picture, looking completely disinterested, looking like I didn't want to be there, and just looking unprofessional, quite frankly, and didn't want to be. So that's how I looked. And then Bobby sent me the joke: "Are you still thinking about that veteran minimum contract Malik Monk is on with the Lakers?" And then I responded: "The vet men, man, the vet men. I am still thinking about that." Mitch Kupchak talked a little about that. We'll get to his comments in just a moment then the third segment probably this mitch thing is going to take up a couple of segments so that's what's on slate for today before we bring you another episode of locked on hornets tomorrow let's start with mitch Kupchak, and i want to give you a precursor as to me getting home about 40 minutes ago trying to grab something to eat very quickly and then giving myself a crash course on the mitch Kupchak 
press conference, taking in as much audio as I possibly could. It was about 30 minutes long. I probably listened to the first 20 minutes. So I'm going to have a chance to digest all of this once again and then give you the rest of the takes tomorrow. This is somewhat of a maybe your second rough draft before I turn in your final paper. Hopefully you guys can understand me trying to catch on all this audio, but also us trying to schedule something so we get it out there to you earlier and uh, sooner um, sooner than later, as soon as possible. Let's get to the center position first, Nada. Yeah. So he talks about Mason Plumley. I think Sam Purley asked him that question. And he said that Mason gives us rebounding. He gives us rim protection and he gives us some playmaking. He's also on a nice contract. He said that you have to make hard decisions in this business every once in a while. And he didn't want to demean the roles of one Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo. In fact, he thanked all of the previous players for their services here in Charlotte before they eventually would go to a different organization and play on those rosters. So that's what he kind of talked about with Mason Plumlee. He said that the center's already on the roster. You didn't have any certainty that they would be back. And, you know, certainly they were going to be gone. Um, Look, I'll give you my quick thoughts on this. Mason rebounding. Okay. Rim protection. No, that's not what he's going to give you playmaking. That is the one bona fide thing. People look at when you look at Mason and say, that's what he does above average compared to all the other centers out there on the open market. And just in the league in general, it seems like Mitch Kupchak wanted to have Mason Plumley because he's on a two year deal worth $8 million a year, second year, not coming in fully guaranteed. It seems like flexibility at the center position is something that he covets more than any. And we can even get to some of the reasons as to why he talked about that for maybe not even going after a Rashawn Holmes. Nada. Yeah, no, th- there was that. And then you're also missing the fun part, which was he's assuming that Mason Plum is going to be the starter, meaning the backup. It's going to be one of those three, one of either Richards or Carrie at this point. That's 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 going to be the center rotation, and then PJ is going to get in where he fits in. Even though I'm not sure they want to do that that much of this. Um, I am, uh, I I don't know. Like, I do agree with you that Mitch kind of oversold what Mason Plumlee can do. I think he'll be just fine, but, and we'll get into this. This is why you don't necessarily say, hey, we're going to make the playoffs next year. You can say, hey, the goal is the playoffs, but you also have to kind of couch it because Mason Plumley looks like he's going to get anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes at center. And I'm not necessarily sure that's a good idea. Well, this is the other thing. It, alluding to the Rashawn Holmes deal, uh, he was asked about maybe pursuing a center w- with a more aggressive contract offer. Yes. And so when you and, and Rashawn Holmes is the guy that I think most of us gravitate towards because he was the most coveted free agent for Charlotte Hornets Twitter. Maybe Nerlens Noel was on that list. Maybe a Jared Allen before he agreed to go back to Cleveland on, I believe, what was a $20 million a year deal. I think most Hornets fans are, oh, he was 20 mil. Cool. Have fun in Cleveland. We're good. 
So now you look at Rashawn Holmes as being that guy that the Hornets absolutely could have afforded. Uh, the Kings worked out unlikely incentives to be a part of of that contract, which was a pretty shrewd move on their part to keep him. And I don't know if Rashawn Holmes is somebody that was really even interested in coming to play for Charlotte, but we do know that he could have fit into the cap space. If the Hornets really wanted to pursue him and upgrade the center position badly enough that they had kind of uh, given us reason to believe during some of the comments, then they could have done it, but they didn't. And Mitch Kupchak talked a little about that. And, th- and he said, he doesn't want to pursue and spend big time money on a center when you've got developmental bigs already within your organization. We got and food at ma- home, y'all. We got food at home. We, we got gonna- food at home. <laughs> the problem is, I don't know if this food is good. I, I know McDonald's is good. I know that's gonna. I know that's going to take the edge off of my appetite. I don't know about Vernon Carey. I don't know about Nick Richards. Kai Jones is really nice. He ain't going to take the edge off this year, but it does seem that they decided to go with flexibility, not wanting to be stuck in a big time contract. And instead, maybe one of these other guys works out. Nick Richards, I'm extremely low on. I don't think he ever pans out. I don't think he plays any kind of important role for the Hornets ever. Vernon Carey, I actually think he gets some minutes, right? Like we talked about that a little bit, even in the last pod or maybe two pods ago. I, I just think Mitch Kupchak right now is possibly thinking, let's do the rookie scale, second rounder, center thing here, and maybe even Kai Jones develops quickly um, instead of trying to dish out a four-year contract for Rashawn Holmes or any other center that was going to be making double-digit million dollars annually on the open market. Yeah, no, like the thing that I wonder about is, and if we had some true serum with Mitch, because Mitch – while he does tell the truth, he doesn't keep it 100 all, all the time. I'm wondering if the thought process was Rashawn Holmes is not good enough to clog up your cap for four years on a four-year deal. And if that was the case, look, I kind of don't blame him. Like I, I get it. Rashawn Holmes is closer to 30, to the wrong side of 30, than he is to the wrong, to the to his prime. I get why you don't want to necessarily throw all that money on that. And more importantly, as we have alluded to, there's food at home. You can shop. And granted, it's not going to be good enough to get you to the playoffs. But at the same time, it's good enough to it's better for you to develop these guys to trust Greensboro. And even if you take a one year hit with a guy like Kai Jones and his athleticism, it may be more worth your while to invest your developmental pieces in that and then go and then go from there. I don't hate the gamble. I don't. I understand the gamble. I understand the fiscally responsible nature of it. And as uh, James Plowright pointed out, British Buzz on Twitter, uh, Mike had a whole bunch of bad contracts locked up on this team for a long time. And that may play a big factor in this. Oh, they're scared. They're scared. They don't want to do that again. And I don't blame them. Like, I don't blame them that they're scared on this one because this is how you end up with only one playoff appearance in the Kemba Walker tenure. Two if you count the sweep. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that being a part of it. We'll take a break. We'll talk about playoff aspirations, expectations. If there was a pivot from Mitch Kupchak, we'll get to that in the second segment. First, we're going to go to rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why do you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? And then you have to wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You don't have to do that anymore. You can save time and you can save money when using Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. They've even got new carpet for you. Go explore their easy-to-use website to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. Then see all the parts available for your car, your truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We've got more Mitch Kupchak comments coming up next. This is Locked on Hornets. Nada, you asked me about why I don't have the sneakers app and asked if it's that I'm too good to have the sneakers app. And no, here's the thing. (laughs) I, you guys are addicted to this drug that brings more yes. pain yes. than it brings joy. And I th- that that feeling that you guys get when you are able to attain a pair of sneakers, it keeps bringing you in. And I don't want to be addicted to that drug. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We got to the center portion of Mitch Kupchak's comments going after Mason Plumley, the developmental centers that you already have on the roster because you drafted a couple in the second round last year and you drafted one in the first round with Kai Jones. You also drafted a power forward like player with JT Thor actually got some minutes in the second summer league game. So JT Thor now officially a part of the team uh, getting some minutes in summer league action. Let's go to uh, the playoff aspiration uh, discussion, Nada, because you know, Mitch Kupchak, he talked about getting a mix of veteran players. He said, and and this is Nick Carboni tweeting this out, one of the people that was a part of that Zoom call with Mitch Kupchak. Nick Carboni, teammate, said, Kupchak says the team got a good mix of veteran players to help win, but also young, talented players to place in the Hornets system. You look at flexibility, it seems to still be very much so in the mind of Mitch Kupchak. He wants to have this team be able to go after different types of players. He doesn't want to be cap strapped like that 2016 offseason made this team in the future. And it really limited them trying to add talent to Kimball Walker. I think they're scared of doing that again. Now you might rebuttal by saying, well, then why did they give Terry Rozier that kind of contract? Even if he outperformed it, right? There's no question. Majority of the people were destroying it. I kind of threw my palms up in the air and said, it's not that big of a deal. It's not like the Hornets are going to win that much. Anyway, the contract will come off the books by the time the Hornets are starting to do any semblance of positive things. But in the end, he could get that kind of value now out there with another team. So, okay, Gordon Hayward, you have $30 million a year locked up in that kind of guy, but he's a borderline all-star and Mitch Kupchak has said a million times, even reiterated that today that they felt lucky to get Gordon Hayward. But if you are not of a Gordon Hayward type level, and I guess even Terry Rozier, even though I think that was a little bit different in the stages of it, building. It was, it was, but, but and, and can I, I hate to interrupt you on this one, but 
I can defend the Terry Rozier thing more in hindsight than at the time. Well, who? I mean, of course. I mean, because now he's played up to the level is it, it, of the deal. It, the the deal's tradable. Yeah, very easily so. Yeah, but the one thing I would probably say on that is that deal was about more, more about the kids and having somebody there that had something to play for. Because if you don't have someone to play for, some like. These guys, you can't outwardly tank. And we're seeing it more and more in terms of small market franchises. Unless you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, where you're collecting picks like Thanos is collecting Infinity Gems, you're probably not going to be able to outwardly tank because people have gotten the sign that, hey, the minute someone starts tanking, yo, I'm out. I don't need to care anymore. You have to give guys reasons to care. And I'll give Mitch and I'll give the ownership a lot of credit in that. Because Terry was their first start of, hey, we got to give people a reason to care. And he, he yeah. grew into that, and it took a lot of convincing, but I, I saw the vision with, I see the vision now with that, with what they were trying to do. Well, which is all fine and good. And you could even say, I don't even know if there's a ton of hindsight needed for that specific take on that contract. You could even see that then. Let's bring in somebody that does care, that wants to be the leader of his own basketball team, which Terry Rozier was very public in doing so to even a certain degree. But whatever, right? Different stage, different kind of contract, 18 million a year. It's descending. He comes over to this squad. I guess my point is, did they overcorrect for 2016? Are they so scared of spending money that even with Devontae Graham's contract being what it was, coming in south of $12 million a year, they still didn't want to do that, especially when they saw a lottery-protected first-rounder coming back to them, along with the West Awundu, who I don't know what kind of impact he's going to provide. And the protection on that first-round pick, it's lottery the first year, and then it conveys to two seconds. You know, this thing doesn't draw out like that. Fair. Then you talk about a Rashawn Holmes, which was a pretty respectable deal. The last year, maybe the last two years of that contract don't look great. He relies a lot on his athleticism being somewhat undersized. So when you talk about those guys, I don't know how long their lives are in the NBA as far as being a high impact player. Um, and so they decide not to go after him, and instead they stick with a couple of the second-round bigs that they drafted and, and go with Kai Jones. Uh, have they overcorrected because of all of the fear that looking back at 2016 brings to them? I don't believe they did. I Because I kind of – it comes down to this question of do you feel like Rashawn Holmes, Mason Plumley, and – Minus Kelly Oubre, obviously, but is like the current cast of characters with a center rotation of Holmes and Oubre going to get you to the second round? And I'm not sure the answer is yes to that. I think well, they're going big game hunting. Do I feel like it solidifies them in the playoffs? Maybe, maybe not. But at the same time, I kind of see, I understand where they're going with this. They're saying, Let's figure out what we have with the wing situation and we'll go from there. I feel like they are scarred. Again, are they scarred on that? Yes. But I feel like they also know they're not two centers away from a second round appearance, which I think is all, which again, Mitch mentioned. And I really do believe that that's on their mind more than anything else is how do we get to the second round? And is there a center that changes that for us? Miles Turner changes it for them. 
I'm not sure Rashawn Holmes and Mason Plumley does. Yeah, so if you look at their payroll, you know, you've got Gordon Hayward, three more years left on the contract. Terry Rozier is in a contract year. Mason Plumley, you have two more seasons of him. Miles Bridges, you're trying to figure out the extension stuff with him. He declines. He goes into free agency. We'll see about what uh, what kind of market there is, what kind of value he could get out there. P.J. Washington, you'll have to do the same thing in just a couple of seasons. You are going to have flexibility. Even with Kelly Oubre, it's a two-year contract, so it is pretty short. If you are going big game hunting, and especially if it's for free agency, you know, are you contradicting the way you talk about a Gordon Hayward? Because remember, their whole thing about Gordon was we never expected him to be available for a team like us. So we jumped the gun. We said, you know what? We're not going to have too many shots at this type of player. Let's just go ahead and give him the big boy contract. If even if he's not a perfect fit with our timeline, if you wanted to argue that he somewhat fits OK, but he certainly was not a perfect fit. But now are you just trying to bank on LaMelo being here, Gordon being here, internal improvement, setting this place up as a destination to then now we didn't go after Holmes. We didn't give Devonte Graham the big deal. Instead, we got a first round pick. Now we can maybe even move that as a part of a trade up asset. And we've got a lot of money to spend, but this is the problem with the small market, right? Like Gordon Hayward is your biggest free agent acquisition ever. Do you can you do anything close to that again that gets you to the second round of the postseason? Because before that, it was Al Jefferson, who was amazing. It was a different time in the NBA. But before that, it was Al Jefferson. And who was it before that when we go to free agent signings? Right. Like it's you know, that that's my point. Are you creating cap space? to the point where, okay, it's great to have flexibility. I want the cap flexibility. I have been harping on that as a, a, for a long time too, but I've also just been shy about handing bad contracts out. I guess where it differs is Devonte getting a three-year contract at that price would not have been a bad deal, and I would have been cool with that. You also would have kept a young nucleus in place, and maybe you would have taken that step up without hurting your long-term flexibility all that much either. Yeah, and it's funny because I think the Devontae thing is more of a – and as, as days go by, and I think Devontae talked with uh, Jonathan Alexander of the Charlotte Observer, and it was just the role that Devontae wanted – wasn't going to happen here. And obviously, when you have a guy like LaMelo Ball, he's going to take your role. And especially when you make the, the, the leaps and bounds that he did with virtually no, no, no training camp, like that's going, to, that's going to push or phase somebody out like that. So I, I think the Devontae thing was more about opportunity and playing time. And we could see that literally Devont, like LaMelo was in Devontae's head. So I don't think, again, the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking that the that Devontae was just about opportunity and playing time and a role. Devontae, but at the same time, do I really, like, I see where you're going with this. Like, if you're willing to take, oppor- again, opportunities with certain guys and not with others, I'm there for you. I'm there with you. I just wonder, is Rashawn Holmes the guy that you necessarily give a bad contract out to for a vet? Because he can only, if he's not going to have that motor, if he's not going to have that athleticism, what is he? 
that's the only question I have for that. The, the Rashawn Holmes deal, like I, I understand not wanting to go after that. I, I guess some of the trading for Mason Plumley, it does make sense if you're still in. Let's develop our centers because Mason Plumley is not good enough to take away minutes from your young big guys. He's also not good enough to ascend you into the second round. His contract also isn't terrible. Like I, I, there's a lot of things you talk about making sense. The Mason Plumley acquisition that makes sense on those types of fronts. It does not make sense as far as trying to upgrade it from Cody. You know, that's not the part that makes sense to me. But everything else, okay. Like I understand the way of thinking. So the Rashawn Holmes, you know, allowing him to go back to Sacramento, that's fine. I, I that and and this is the thing about Mitch and what he's done this off season. He has not made the disastrous move which is always very good. He has not handed out the disastrous contract, the short year, the, the short term, even for people who aren't the biggest Kelly Oubre fans, you can live with that contract. Se- second year, partially guaranteed. He at least can provide some wing depth for you. I, I don't know how good this team is going to be next year with Kelly Oubre and how it all works out, but you know, I, I get it. It's just, this is, when is that move going to come? Is, is it the year after? Okay, but that at that point it start it starts to feel like I, I I'm just tired of waiting, you know. Yeah, I get you. And I, I wonder when Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets are going to pull the trigger on. All right, boom, we are fully invested into getting into the second round. Then it feels like they're kind of in no man's land to a certain degree. I uh, here's the thing: I'm okay with them being in no man's land for another year. They were ahead of schedule this year. They're going to figure out their footing, and if they really feel like they can make the second round, I don't know by the trade deadline. That, like, that works. That works for me. Like, if they, they, they're still flexible enough to do what they need to do for next year. I am okay with what they want to do. Like, I am okay with the flexibility. I am okay with them trying to say, let's figure this out. We don't have to make a decision now. And we can wait until February, see where we are. If we are some, if we are in a similar situation to where they are uh, this year, they were this year, where they're fourth or fifth, and they see somebody, a Miles Turner that still is available, and he can be had for a little bit cheaper. I mean, it makes more sense to wait, just wait and hold off, because at that point, that again, you can solidify it, and then you make your second round. Then you make your first. Then you have playoff home court. I completely understand what they're trying to do right now. I hate to be the Zen because I was not the Zen earlier. But after Mitch started explaining it, I completely see the vision. You might as well wait. Let's see what happens with a whole bunch of things. Let's see. Let's use this flexibility, the same flexibility that got you Kelly Oubre when no one thought that you, that they, that you could. I, I kind of want to see where this take, where this goes right now, and you just got to be a little bit more patient. I'm going to come back to some of this stuff before we get to summer league, but we'll take a quick break. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device, and you can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50% welcome bonus. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code Locked On. We got one more segment to go in the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. 
You're you have welcome. gone to that in an after-school special show, <laughs> and you've gone to that in a shoe show with David Walker, the OG. Yes. I, you have gone back to the clerk's well for so many different references. It's quite impressive. Because clerk, here's the thing, though. Clerks, clerks 1 and Clerks 2 tell you everything you need to know about the service industry and for the most part about life. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Nada, you mentioned something before we went to break that I wanted to bring back up just because we didn't have enough time in that last segment. But you brought up Kelly Oubre coming to the Charlotte Hornets, how no one thought that that was something that could happen. And Mitch Kupchak kind of alluded to that, too. You know, he said, just like he did with Gordon Hayward, maybe on a lesser level, but he did say that Kelly Oubre is not on the Gordon Hayward level kind of player to bring in. You know, he's not going to, he's not going to reach those kind of heights, but he was a really coveted player in NBA free agency. This go around, you know, I mean, I'm not that shocked that he signed with the Charlotte Hornets. I think LaMelo ball makes this place more attractive because he is so fun to play with. I think miles bridges, same thing. There are things to like about signing with this basketball team. But there's a reason Kelly Oubre wasn't picked up by other franchises, whether that be he was asking for way too much or whether that be for because other teams just didn't want him that badly. You know, there, there are a couple of reasons that factor into Oubre overplaying his hand and then he has to settle with the Charlotte Hornets on a two year deal. Maybe he views a two year deal. Uh, more favorable because then he can get more money sooner rather than later. Or maybe he would have rather had signed something longer term to try to get a better contract. Either way, I just, I guess I'm just not that surprised that this is how it played out, especially after the Hornets decided to go away from Devonte Graham, not bring back all of the players that were on this team last year. They had cap space and there was a reason we were kind of talking about Kelly Oubre beforehand as free agency process went on saying, yeah, there's a possibility yeah, see, of this. The now. thing is Walker, I'm not surprised either, but you don't get that without this flexibility. And I think that's the thing that we have to keep remembering about this team right now. They have flexibility in terms of the cap. So when teams go and do their usual overspending in the first three days and then start ignoring quality vets, like kind of like a Kelly Oubre, like that's what you do. That's what the smart, smaller teams do. The Spurs feasted on teams like that for years, just getting those. Uh, again, how many times have, do, we, do you remember the Spurs being like, how did they sign that guy for that cheap? Because of other things. And does LaMelo Ball help out? Well, because of Duncan and Ginobili yes, and yes. Parker. And they're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll sign for a little less. And they were really good at just acquiring exactly. talent in the draft but in you general. you see what I'm saying. But you're, you're seeing where I'm saying. I'm not saying that LaMelo Ball is Tim Duncan. But I'm also, what, I'm, what I am saying is smart, small franchises can make impacts if they do, if they do that little dance on the razor's edge of being smart with their money and at the same time not necessarily being overly wasteful and doing those bad deals and not falling in love with your own guys. I understand why everything went the way it went to an extent. Would I have kept Cody Zeller over Mason Plumley? Probably. I know that James Borrego didn't want him here anymore. A lot of this now we start getting into the what do the people around us want along with the what do the what does the money say? 
So it becomes really, 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 really intricate and really becomes nuanced. And we can spend a whole bunch of more podcasts talking about this because it's probably the most fascinating thing about the offseason thus far. Well, let's let's try to go reverse dominoes. You know, what what was the first domino to fall? Because if we if we backtrack this, then we say, okay, they signed Kelly Oubre. Didn't think that was going to happen. I'm not shocked that it happened, but yeah, right. Like at the beginning, I guess he wasn't one of the favorite free agents to your point, just played, you know, just to play into that a little bit more, but they eventually signed Kelly Oubre, right? They had more cap space left over because they didn't bring back Devonte Graham. We both thought they would. So now you get a first round pick in exchange for Devonte, And then we can talk about what's a wound whatever. But the prize thing is the first round pick and you let Devonte Graham walk. He goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. But before that, they draft a James Booknight. And here we are talking about James Booknight being a top, what, seven pick. You didn't think he was going to be there. I thought there was more of a possibility he'd fall than you did, but he had certainly been picking up steam to that point. I think most people would have guessed, yeah, he's a top 10 pick and the Charlotte Hornets will have to trade up to go get him. He falls, they select him. Is, is that a, is that a chain? Is there some causation there, right? Like, okay, because James book Knight fell, they take maybe maybe he was really high on their board. That's what Mitch Kupchak says. It's what GM say all the time. I think I believe him, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to bet money that that was wholeheartedly what he wanted to do. Either way, they like him enough to select him at number 11 overall. So they select James Booknight. They weren't ever going to bring back Malik Monk in the first place. Did James Booknight make Devonte Graham more expendable? So, okay, so Booknight falls. Now they trade Graham. Oh, we can get a first round pick because David Griffin is just giving out lottery protected first. Okay. It doesn't string along here to convey to a different type of first round pick. It doesn't matter. We'll take the lottery protected first. Okay. So now we don't have Devante. We've got more cap space. Let's go and try to get some more wing wing depth because now we got book night, Rogier Lamello. Like I wonder if there is any causation in all of that. And if that is true, what would you have rather had? Would you rather have had Devonte Graham on that $12 million a year deal? Or would you rather have Kelly Oubre and the lottery protected first round pick? And that might be what it comes down to with James Booknight also kind of factoring Here's in all of that. Here's something that may blow your mind on this. I think the, I think the answer is, was Josh Hart. I really do think that if Booknight doesn't fall, Josh Hart is probably a Charlotte Hornet. Because Book Knight fell, that set the that I think that's what set the domino chain. I think that when Josh Hart again, because once you got Book Knight, you're like, okay, we can develop our two guard of the future rather than rely on a Josh Hart who has been inconsistent at best in his career thus far. So you have all of this. I, I say all this to say, I do not think. I think Devontae was going to come back until the Hornets and Devontae really got honest and said, okay, I want to start, and th- but that's not possible. That's not the best thing for, for the Hornets' future because you have – while the three-guard lineup of Devontae, Terry, and LaMelo was very, very effective in season, that had a shelf life to it. I understood why they didn't bring back Malik. Malik didn't want to be there. I'm not sure the Hornets ever trusted Malik after everything that happened with his suspension. I And then the Kelly Oubre thing was just, oh, 
wait, everybody spent all their money and Kelly Oubre is right there and we have a hole in our bench right now? Perfect. We'll fill it with him. And I will... I am completely okay with all of that right now. I think that's the... I, I do think the, the one domino, though, that changes everything is James Booknight falling because I do not think they plan to draft him. I th- think they think... I'm pretty sure they knew that he was going to be gone. And the fact that he, he fell to them... Just luck, just pure luck, and and they developed their plan off of that. Well, and I also wonder if Book Knight is taken, is there a Kai Jones selection at number Bingo. 11? Or if the Charlotte Hornets decide to trade back, get some assets instead that way, and then select Kai Jones with the OKC picks. Maybe they trade back to where the New York Knicks are, but you know he falls, and then they actually have to trade back up where New York is. It's not that big of a protected deal. Um, excuse me. It's a very protected deal. It's not that big of a deal <laughs> to lose that first round pick, I guess is what I was trying to say. Um, but you get the picture. It, it's heavy protection and it might not convey. So we'll, we'll see. Um, either way, interesting kind of causation, kind of domino conversation to be had there. All right, real quickly, let's just mention the summer league second game. Donovan Mitchell is still Davion, following James Book Knight everywhere he goes. I That's got right, you Davion after the Mitchell. whole Josh he, McDaniels thing. I feel vindicated now. I feel great about myself. At least I was Fair. in the same sport, though. You still, I'm, I'm coming out on top. Either way, you're right. It wasn't Donovan. It was Davion Mitchell. Yes, he is the one still following James Booknight wherever he goes. Dan Favalli tweeted out that James Booknight checks his closet and under the bed for the boogeyman and to make sure Davion's not there. Look, it, call some of those a little too aggressive if you want. Say some of them were fouls if you want to. Man, Davion, Davion Mitchell was all up in James Booknight and made life really hard for him Look, in that second game. At this point, game. I am. Not sorry for what I said about Davion Mitchell being too short. I am glad that this is an arena where Davion Mitchell can shine because it damn sure won't be the NBA regular season. Congratulations to him. Mm, Okay. We're still still sipping that haterade. I'm still hating in the club. There you go. Yeah, he he did have a good game, though. Uh, Davion Mitchell did uh, just five of 10 shooting, not necessarily the greatest offensive uh, performance, but did have nine assists, did not have any turnovers, as opposed to James Booknight, who scored 11 points, four of 11 shooting, one of five from three, one assist, five turnovers. Uh, Arnotis Kuboka, he was the player of the game, five of 11 from the field, hit three three pointers out of the seven that he took, scored 13 points, and even defensively had a couple of nice moments survived what was one of the more unathletic layups I've ever seen. But I think that's because (laughs) his foot gave out on him. And so I was hoping that he was going to come back from that. Okay. And he did. Um, Yeah. Kuboka, not an interesting player, right? Guy with size that can shoot has nice defensive instincts, knows where to be. The athleticism clearly isn't there, but showcase you some nice things. They wanted to get him involved more in the second summer league game. It's exactly what happened. He starts instead of Scotty Lewis and uh, he ends up being the player I, of the game. I, because I of really it. did appreciate what Kubalka did. He did a little bit of everything. He had a couple playmaking plays. Um, the lack of a point guard is making it really, really hard to evaluate all these guys though. Like, and, and we were, Oh God, this was an ugly like, like, ass like, game. Like, it was ugly. The thing. Like we talked about this before that we started recording, but at some point, I wish the Hornets just signed Jarrett Jack for, like, Summer League. Be like, look, we'll give you $500,000 just to show up, be a mentor to these kids, practice with these kids, run our offense so we can, again, accurately assess them. Because I love Grant Riller. I thought Grant Riller was going to be a contributor this year. He has disappointed me, and 90% of it is because he's not a point guard. 
we yeah, he's bad. He's been bad the last two games. Just you can't get by anyone, you know, forcing stuff up. One of nine from the field in this game. Didn't even take any three pointers and still missed eight shots of the nine that he took. So all of that in 21 minutes of play, turned it over a couple times, not necessarily facilitating to a lot of dudes either. So just the two points that he scored. Yeah, Grant Riller wasn't great. And even offensively, you look at Kai Jones, only four points for him had the one field goal. I believe it was a dunk down low. It might've been an offensive rebound, if I'm not mistaken, um, hit a couple of free throws. You know, the stroke looks nice on the free throws. That's a good sign for the future. But yeah, I think even defensively like Kai Jones, he's the guy that's putting a ton of effort into everything that he does, except he's just forgetting to stay on his feet. You know, he gets faked out of his shoes a couple times. He's all over the place. Um, you know, he's not getting back defensively. So, you know, that that's just what point, it is with, with Kai. Like, I, I'm point, not surprised. I love Kai, but you're starting to see why he needs probably needs to start the year in Greensboro. Like, I don't think he's ready for NBA basketball because the minute the summer league guys decided to be like, OK, you can have the ball for, like right at the elbow. Now what you going to do? And he has to think you can almost see those wheels turning in his head. It's not a pretty sight. He's got to get he's got the game's got to slow down for him. And if it's too fast for him in the in the in summer league, it'll be too fast for him in the regular season, most likely. Yeah, and and you know, a couple of turnovers from him. There was that one nice play where he he goes, I, I don't I forget who he pokes the ball away from. Um with I don't know all of the Sacramento players on that roster that are playing in summer league, but he pokes the ball away and then he gets the feed after the ball goes away from the point guard in the backcourt. Looks like he's got a pretty nice dunk. All he has to do is go up strong with it, but he gets it batted out of his hands before he can go back up with it. So, you know, it's like, okay, there's the there's the treat from Kai Jones and then oh, you got Trey we're going to turn it over again and then give it right back to Sacramento. You know, Hey, he's just growing, but we do know one thing, right? They don't make bodies like that, man. And the handles, the handles are pretty crazy for how big he is. The way that he moves, you, you don't see six, 11, seven footers move like that. Unless, you know, you're talking about guys like KD, like, you know, they, they move better than Kai Jones, but goodness gracious, not much more than that. Um, so it's going to be tantalizing to see what he does moving forward. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. What a little bit longer today trying to dissect Mitch Kupchak's comments. Maybe we can get to some leftover ones tomorrow. Thanks again for joining us. We always appreciate your support. Uh, make sure you also tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks again once more. We'll be back with you tomorrow.